1: Hi and welcome to the Nina Carlser show. It's my 199th episode. We are Edging closer to 200, but you know what? Liverpool win 4-2. Very happy against Burnley, playing the chasing game. It's just myself today. I am hosting, I am producing, I'm doing everything, but I have two incredible, incredible panellists for you. First up, joining me is um, a familiar voice on the Nina Cowzer show. You've heard him on many pods. He's awesome. He talks a good game. He's very calming. He's very soothing with what he has to say. It's Tadiva. Tadiva, welcome to the show.
2: Hey Nina, how are you doing?
1: Um much better after that, you know calm, you know, all ready for Bayern Munich now after that, job done. Thank you so much for joining me and joining Tadeva. Now, when Gags told me that this is my guest for the show, I'm not going to lie, I literally nearly fell off my chair because I don't think I've done a podcast with him in forever. It's been a very long time. But again, he is a familiar voice on AI Pro. He is the co-host of um, the AI Scouted Pod with Dave Hendrick. It is Mr. Carl Matchett. Carl, welcome.
3: Thanks very much. Yeah, I thought you were relegating me until after your 200th, so nice to just sneak in in time.
1: Just sneaking in time, yeah, you know, making that sneaky appearance, like Nabikator. Well, guys, thank you both for joining me. Right, I want to get your thoughts on this. How do you feel after that? I mean, we were chasing; it was we were four points behind. There was a lot of talk: Can Liverpool do it? Will they hold their nerve? And then you look at the lineup. Just the initial thoughts. How do you feel after that now?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm always worried about the early kickoffs, so <laughs> naturally, um, you just hope to just see it through. Um, and then obviously Burnley at home. You expect, it's one of the games you expected to win, especially if you're going to be strong in a title challenge. That's a game. No excuses. You just have to win it. Uh, when the team sheets came out, obviously the big talking point is Lalana being in there. Um, I, I was surprisingly calm about it. Um, I thought as long as it wasn't three number six midfielders in there, I thought then we should have enough for them. And you could see the amount of bodies we had going forward that were in the box waiting for you know crosses or Mm. attacking play I think that helped us a lot and obviously Llorona got man of the match so always good when substitutes can come in and make an impact
1: for sure for sure and what about yourself Carl how do you feel after that um more confident um, going into the Bayern Munich game or a bit nervous because you think that Jurgen Klopp might field a strange midfield against Bayern Munich want to get your thoughts on that
3: yeah, it's difficult what, to know what he's thinking about the midfield in particular. Um, I think it's an interesting point about the away games. I mean, obviously earlier in Klopp's reign, sorry, the away games, the early kickoffs. I mean, uh, earlier in Klopp's reign, that was definitely something we had a problem with. But this year, mm-hmm. we've been much, much better with them. Um, you mm-hmm. think back to the start of the season, we had West Ham and Leicester and Spurs and Fulham. And we we had Leicester, and...
1: yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: so um, this, this is much, much better this season. I think it's yet another um, probably factor of the game with Liverpool, where the fans, we take a little bit longer to catch up with the reality. You know, we still get a bit nervous around set pieces even after they've been good. We've been good at defending them. And I think uh, that that early kickoff is is another one where we've sort of had to get used to that because it's completely different to what we've known has come beforehand. So in terms of Bayern, kind of looking forward to it um, because obviously the, the context of the match and it's a big game and everything. But um, there's no question that we're going to need our best away European performance of the season if we're going to go through.
1: For sure. And, um, we will speak about the fans and their reaction. Um, obviously, cause, uh, things happened very early in that game that kind of, um, got, got the Liverpool, f- um, uh, crowd very angry. But something that made me laugh. We're going to join our first, um, bunch of callers. But, um, Justin Wells, um, tweeted today, I flew 3,000 miles to go and see Adam Lalana in the lineup. So, you know what? It's only fitting that we go and get his reaction. So gags.
4: You yeah. what I was going to cube Justin in for. Like, talk about nicking my points, Nina Kauser. You always do this. I was going to say... No, but the tweet had me in stitches. Like, yeah, Well, you know what? Retweeting it didn't actually help him. He got so much abuse because <laughs> of you. And everyone that retweeted it, he got abuse from your followers. Hang your heads in shame. <laughs> people that fucking retweeted him, you idiots. Like, what did you do? And he's just been sitting there reading people dissing him all game. But it was funny as fuck, and, Actually, and, and, there, yeah. and you, you know what, and basically what we're going <laughs> to do Can is... Can I, I all...
1: just say something? This is karma for him trying to troll Dave Hendrick.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but what we've got is, we've got Justin who wants to ask the question to your panel, and then Baji will, uh, if you come to Bargie last, after everything's done, and he'll have his say
0: on the question.
1: Okay, that's fine.
0: Yeah. So, is everybody right to take the piss, from, piss on me for my uh, pre-match... Uh, trepid trepidation and sarcasm
3: towards Mr. Adam Lalana. that's the question
1: it's a fair comment and uh, I think Tadeva touched on this as well like you know I think the big talking point was Adam Lalana. Carl I'm gonna come to you first because you kind of okay um uh, you have to remember it is Burnley and if he's going to play any game or have any involvement, it should be against teams like Burnley. You don't want him against the likes of, say, Manchester United. He shouldn't be coming on against Everton, even though they're a small club. It's a derby. It was a must-win game. Um I want to get your thoughts on this, because when when Justin tweeted that, I actually did laugh, because obviously... It's you know it's it's um it's a luxury thing, flying all the way from New York to come to Liverpool to watch Liverpool and you want to see your best players like you know your nabby caters and Adam Lalana starts. So um was was he justified with his reaction to be a bit um uh, I don't know a bit disappointed, a bit disheartened?
3: Well, first of all, nice one for coming all the way over, and uh, I'm glad we got the win for you as well while you were here. Um He's definitely- actually got a good
1: record, you know. He was over for West Ham as well, where we hammered them last season.
3: Right, well, someone getting floats to the Allianz for midweek then, yeah? <laughs> yes! Um, with Lallana, <laughs> I think...
4: he's going to pack him in, his case will be
3: fine. Look, I think with Lallana, the big thing is, this is what I was talking about after the Everton game and mentioned on Scouted as well. Um, Lallana, if you're going to use him, it's got to be in a particular way. And in this team, it is very, very much not as a forward. And that was my yes. big issue with Lallana mm-hmm. coming on against Everton. You know, late in the game and we need a goal and all the rest of the stuff that went with it and you bring him on up front for our most informed forward. That was Mm. the big problem that I and I think a lot of other people had. Coming into the game against Burnley, you know two things. One, they're going to pack out the centre of the pitch. They're going to be narrow across midfield. They're going to make it hard to break them down. So you need someone who can work in those tight spaces. You need someone who's got a good first touch on them, all the rest of it. Now, yes, Navigator would be my first choice. No question about that. But like you said, you've got to have the bodies available for all manner of games, not just when you think you might want to play them one-off. You know, we got to the Champions League final last year and we had to use Lalana there and he had barely played all season long. So yes, a game like this, good, get him 70 minutes and he can do something. I mean, I think BT probably went a bit overboard giving him man of the match, to be perfectly honest. Um, But yeah, you've got to play your squad. You've got to let everyone be involved and feel a part. Otherwise, they're not going to do anything when they come on. They're not going to work hard in training and push the rest of the starters. And uh, the people who are in the team have got no reason to keep their performances up either.
1: No, I have to agree with you. And, um, Tadeep, I think that's a really excellent point as to where Adam Lalana plays, because when people sort of revert back to Adam Lalana having the best games under Jurgen Klopp and ha- being the most influential, important player, I'm talking about the very, very pro Lalana people. It did come from central midfield, right? It did come, it didn't come from an attacking, you know, at wide position. He was in, in, in midfield. So I want to get your thoughts on that. What did you make of, um, his performance and, um, and also, I know you were quite neutral with um, your whole reaction to Adam Lalana, But do do you see a case in point for maybe um, Justin? You know, flying all that way, and you know, Adam Lalana plays, and you have to see the the downgrade. Um, crow turns.
2: <laughs> we I uh, actually met up with Justin on Friday. I think it was oh uh, nice was down in London. Yeah, and we had a chat about some of the Liverpool players and their roles in the squad. Um, I think within Adam Lalana the issue is people. Struggle or it becomes a hot topic when people don't compartmentalize issues. Um, Lalana at home against Burnley, I don't have a problem with that because he should be far and above better than or performing better than most of the Burnley players there. And especially, mm. you know, causing their defenders problems because I don't think many can outright say Lalana is a bad player, whether or not he meets the standards of a starting Liverpool player, that then maybe can be up for debate. But in terms of technique, he's one of the more technically gifted English players around at the moment. Um, in terms of involvement and drive and, you know, appetite for the game, it's clearly there. You can see it. It's just, this is, I suppose, when the managers are paid the big bucks, is using players in the right moments. We've, we've seen, you know, the last couple of weeks with Liverpool not being as creative, Arguably, having three midfielders that you know all are defensive first, or not as creative minded, maybe or brave on the ball, came you know were, were, was one of the faults for some of those games. But here in a game, like I said once again, against Burnley at home, you don't need three strong midfielders in there, two maybe at most, um, and then just let your attacking players go. Maybe you know have the Fabinho sitting so. I think it it, it helped Lalana to be playing in a a game where he doesn't necessarily have to be the defensive player. He can do the pressing, and we saw one of his presses led to a goal, but he can do the pressing and he can have the energy to run back and cover spaces, but not necessarily being asked to run box-to-box the entire game because it's not going to be that type of game. So that's where the credit comes into Klopp. In this game, he's using players you know a lot better than maybe he's used them in the past three games and credit to Lalana, he got the opportunity it's very easy for him to then come in and you know struggle he hasn't had a lot of games in a row so that can always be an issue but he played well and he obviously clearly showed that he deserved to be in the team and I'm sure Justin would share the sentiment in saying if there's anything you'd rather be wrong about it's calling a Liverpool player, you know, well, not being happy with a Liverpool player starting and then him getting a man of the match award. That that's probably what any fan would be okay with. So I'm I'm sure Justin will will stomach it pretty well and Justin's a pretty good sport so I, I don't think it's bothered him too much.
0: He is absolutely- I I just don't enjoy being uh called, you know, certain words that begin with a C for
3: no good reason, but here's Herinder.
0: Hello. Hey. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> so, on Adam, it's a case of whereby when he started you see him in the lineup, you're thinking, it could go either which way. But for him to be in that position and play his socks off, literally, he, deserved, he needed to have man of the match performance, right? And he didn't really put a foot wrong. And you can understand the trepidation, I think, when you see Lalana as a, as a starter because we all remember West Ham away earlier this year. It wasn't fabulous, wasn't great, wasn't completely shit, but it wasn't exactly what we needed. But today, he played really well. yeah. For him to have his man-of-the-match performance, well, I don't know whether I'd give him man-of-the-match, but credit to him and credit to Jürgen Klopp for saying, you know, all right, he was very, very good in training and, you know, and he's rewarding that. Because that's what it kind of sounded like to me, that he rewarded the guy who tried the hardest. And lo and behold... We've got the desserts, the, or the just desserts even, actually, of Lallana playing so well. I know Gags was fearful, for want of a better word, for, <laughs> as were many others, but credit where credit's due. Kudos to Klopp, kudos to Lallana, kudos to all of those who didn't shit their pants at the lineup. and kudos to Liverpool FC for winning 4-2. <laughs>
1: No, I hear you. Um, Joey Max put some quartz in here and um, Klopp on Adam Lalana. Adam Lalana was really good. His counter-pressing was good. He played a really good game. He looked okay. Ginny was suffering a bit today. I mean, I think, you know, you've all made some really excellent points. He's obviously training really well. He had a point to prove. And, you know, this was the kind of opposition for him to do so. And, of course, he had some involvement in, in some of the goals. I mean, Gags, I'm going to come to you. Um okay. what did you- uh, your your thoughts on Adam Lalana Because I think you tweet something about being a bit worried about what midfield club might feature middle of the week against Bayern Munich. Yeah.
4: no Hendo, no Millie. That means they're starting. H- Gina, you went up first. It looks like it's Junior Hendo, Millie Millie to start the uh, to start buying. And, and as you all know, that midfield has lost its last five or six away games in midfield and drawn its last few big away games in and goalless ones in in the league. So at the end of the day, for me. Or I'm just—I won't be very confident if that's the midfield that starts against Bayern. They'll get ripped, and we saw what happened at PSG. It was awful. And uh, but today, Adam surprised everybody, and fair play to him. Um, I thought he was excellent. He wasn't man of the match, but not, not not by a long shot. But he was definitely very, very good, and fair play to him. But we are now going to go and do a car pod ourselves, so uh, we don't really want to take too much more of your time. But yeah, if you are on AI Pro. You'll enjoy some um, some more more, more combos about the day on there?
1: Well you know what? I've had some clangers with Justin. I thought he's a New York Yankee fan on a previous <laughs> pod. I've opened him up to abuse, so I've done my little part. I've deleted the tweet. It's the first time ever I've done that. Oh
0: my god.
4: Because
1: nobody abuses god, I'm my friend.
4: A- what he said. The I, a- a-
1: a- I know, I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. See this right. is this is it, right, guys? Go and enjoy your car pod. I'll I'll leave you be, and um, Bye. we will carry on with the pod. Thank you so Good much for calling, and enjoy your pizza. Bye. <laughs> right, so that was Gags, Harinda, and Justin Wells. Please stop abusing Justin Wells. I mean, you can understand, right? He's flown all this way, right, guys? Um. Whilst we maybe wait for our uh, second caller, oh, our second caller is ready to join us. This is awesome. Let me just find him. Rowan, are you there?
4: Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me?
1: You sound great, my friend. Okay, Good. the floor is yours. You bring up your talking points, and then we will discuss them.
4: Yeah, so I was just going to mention um, <clears throat> the inclusion of Lalana into the team today. I'll hold my hands up. I was definitely one of the one of the people in Discord chat a little bit concerned or annoyed that Naby wasn't there in front of him but fair play to Lallana he played his socks off and if he plays like that every time he's used I'll be very very happy to see him in the team it's never questioned how good Lallana's been for us just that I felt that the team has evolved and he hasn't so yeah. fair play I won't stay on him too much my, my other two points really I'll be very quick is uh I thought Fabinho again was Excellent. Mm. I think just what he brings to this team is just what we've been missing for so long. He breaks up play and then he's so quick to get the ball moving again. I thought he was outstanding again today. And my final point that I'll put to the panel is just is about Mane. Now, as much as we can criticise some of his uh, very easy misses that he has, I still think he's been exceptional, exceptional for us uh, at the turn of the year. He's been probably, for me, the best out of the front three by a long mm. shot, in fact, Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think we should give him some love, some money, love.
1: Absolutely, no. Um, some really great points there. You know what? I think um, we were kind of di- we, we were going to go through the entire team, and I think you know what? What better way? Let's start off with Fabin- Fabinho. And Carl, um, I'll come to you first on this one because he's definitely something that we have been missing. Um, he 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 doesn't have a quiet game. He has a very um, you can see exactly what he does. He breaks up play. He's like. You, you, you're you not going to pass. He breaks up, he's aggressive. Um, He also has um a knife for like a forward-thinking ball. But recently, a lot of his work has been quite defensive and quite solid. I want to get your thoughts on him because I feel like he is such a vital component. And because he does his duties so well, he allows other midfielders, depending on the variation, for them to have sort of a free-flowing game because he has that area covered.
3: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think the... This whole idea of us having three central midfielders who were the same as each other, for me, a big part mm-hmm. of the reason was because we didn't have any one of them who was good enough to protect the defence. So everybody had to mm-hmm. do it. Um, yeah. Fabinho is a complete monster. He is absolutely brilliant. As far as I'm concerned, he is probably in the top four players of the team in terms of if you're picking your best eleven and who is you he, want on the team sheet.
1: Is he your first? Is he your first name in the midfield? Is he what? Sorry. Is he the first name that you think of in the midfield? Like, Obviously, when you think of the defence, you think Virgil van Dijk and everything around that. And with regards to midfield, is he the first name that you want on the team sheet?
3: Yeah, without question. uh, For me, Mm. when I'm building a team for any given match, I go down the spine, right? You go your middle players, uh, goalkeeper, centre-back, centre-mid and a forward. And then you build around that. And for me, it's the three Brazilians and Virgil. And anything else after that, you can work with. Um, But those... Those players are absolutely critical tactically. Uh, their technical ability, Fabinho, is, he's, he's a level above the rest of our midfielders, even in terms of his uh, his technique, his control of the ball, his ability to manoeuvre around a, an attempted tackle or anything like that. And my very, very favourite thing about him is he is absolutely brilliant at the snide foul. He is so good at just <laughs> taking someone out or barging them out of the way or a little trip up like he did today. He'll take the yellow card because he knows it's much more important than just letting them flood forward with... Maybe two or three players, maybe even more than that, and our other central midfielders have been caught upfield or the fullbacks are high upfield, um, is irreplaceable for us right now, to be perfectly honest.
1: You know what? I'm not going to disagree with a majority of what you said there. Um, You're absolutely spot on. Tadeev, I want to get your thoughts on this as well because I think Carl made a really good point and he spoke about, you know, maybe having in the past having three midfielders who were quite samey samey and weren't quite clued up with the defensive duties and what we always found was there was always a massive space between the midfield and the defence and teams would get in behind and sort of penetrate that space but I feel like with with um, Fabinho the, the you know the the space between the holding midfielder and the defence is pretty tight and it's solid and I, I think that again in a tactical sense has been working a dream for us I want to get your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I think the interesting thing with Fabinho is for the first time in probably since Mascherano left us, we have a, a midfielder that's probably defensive-minded first and foremost. And then, you know, the rest of the game is just an added bonus. Um, You look at his positioning, even when we have the ball and he's not necessarily involved in the build-up, you can see him positioning himself for in case we lose the ball, then I'll be in this position. And that helps us a lot. Um it, it helps cover a lot of issues that many people wouldn't see. Like it, it's one of those where you'd notice him when he's not playing because the, then those spaces won't be covered. Um, I think the thing he's brought to our midfield is a, another level of intelligence in, in a similar way that Van Dijk has brought that to our defense and Allison has brought it to the goalkeeper position for us where it's something, you know, um, Carl mentioned earlier, how we, we have to get used to certain things, like, for example, defending set pieces. I think also it's just getting used to players that have this football intelligence that makes things look a lot more calmer than they really should be. And it's it's a joy to watch a player like that that's so smart on the ball. Um, it's That's sort of Didi Haman type of thing where he's not the most mobile, but he's clever enough to get in the right positions. And yeah, for me, he's the first name on the team sheet in terms of our midfield.
1: Yeah, absolutely love him. Um, I love the fact that he's like a brand new signing and he's already proving to be such a vital, pivotal component in the midfield as well. And, um, you know, from him as well, people like Ginwini Aldam have um, completely changed their game as well and they're allowed to be different players. Um, Sticking with you, Tadiva, I want to get your thoughts on mine. He's got two goals. Um, I love it. Um, I have to agree with Rowan. I do think he has been... I thought the attack was all on it today. I thought they all were. And other commentators, I mean, we had BT Sport, and um the commentator said Mo had had, um, you know, a poor game. Um, I didn't think that was the case with any of our, of our attackers today. I thought they were all on it. They were all pressing. They were all in the right places. They were all asking for the ball. They freed up space. They created space. But Sadio Mane, for me today, was just um, absolutely majestic. I thought he was a little pocket rocket. He was holding his own and, um, of course, got two goals.
2: Yeah, I thought Mane was, was a joy to watch today. And as you say, and I think Rowan is correct in saying, since the turn of the year, he's been the better player of our front three. And I think that's the really cool thing about having a front three, is that hopefully at any point in the season, at least one of them is going to be on form. And it allows the other people to maybe not have as big an impact as we usually expect them to have. Or maybe they're not meeting the standards that people set. At least we have someone in that in 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 that front three, that's stepping up, and if it's money at the moment, I'm glad for him. Um, you know, in a couple of weeks, it might need to be Firmino that we're relying on, and then it might need to be Salah. So there's a good blend there, and and that's good to see. I thought, um, with regards to Salah, I I do get what the commentator was coming from. I thought his decision making was a bit shaky mm. today, and and I've I've thought that for a couple of games now. Um, and, and people have obviously mentioned, you know, maybe the 50 goal, the, trying to get that 50th goal is playing on his mind and, and maybe it is. So the sooner he gets that, then hopefully he can, you know, he can kick on from that. Um, I do think Mane was right. You know, I, I saw some people saying he should have passed to Salah at the end there, but then people are forgetting that Mane was also scoring his 50th there by, by scoring at the end. So I'm okay with him taking the, you know, passing the ball into an empty net. Um, I think maybe... And
1: it was 3-2 at the time as well. So let's put the game to bed, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And and, and there were plenty of chances for, for Salah to try and get a 50th early mm. in the game. When it's 3-2, 94th minute, just put the ball in the net and then we can discuss everything else afterwards, you know. Um, let's just seal the game off. Um, I think the thing for Mane as well is that he's probably the least spoken about player of our front three. Mm-hmm. And I think that's similar in, in how teams approach our, our front three defensively. Probably Mark Salah, the tightest, or put two players on him. Then in terms of ranking, it seems like Firmino also gets a lot of attention. So Salah can quite, I mean, Mane can quietly go about his business in games. And if he continues to be, in inverted commas, ignored by teams, then I'm happy because he can sneak in and put in performances like today.
1: For sure. And Carl, uh, I want to get your thoughts on uh, Sadio Mane there. What did you make of his performance as well? And I mean, I think Tadeva just made a comment there about people saying he should have squared it to um, Mo Salah at the end. But I, f- I felt like today the, the attack were were pretty ruthless in the sense that for Sadio Mane's first goal, I think um, Mo Salah went down in the box, but zero chances taken. And, you know, of course, um, Sadio Mane converts making, you know, I think putting us 2-1 ahead and, uh, you know, for his final goal as well, instead of squaring it, where um, it's worth noting as well, was in line with with his defender. I mean, it was I mean, could he have made it? That's another thing, you know? Let's just put the game to bed. I want to get your thoughts on his entire play because I felt like he pretty much was non-stop all game.
3: Yeah, I thought Mane was excellent today and mm-hmm. I fully agree. I think that, that last... Opportunity there for four two, um, you know there was even a covering defender. So by the time Mane turns himself around, so that he's in a body shape to be able to square the ball, and it has, as you say, got to be exactly square so that it wasn't offside. I think it probably would have got back and covered it anyway. To be honest, rather than uh, Salah getting the touch, if it had been four one already or still three one or whatever, then fine, maybe you can take that extra bit of uh, a half second and try and tee up Salah just so that he can get the goal but at one goal in it and they've just had another attack. No, you just wrap it up. The same as he did against, uh, was it Crystal Palace, I think, as well. Mm. Um, you know, just get the game over and done with and worry about anything else later on. By contrast, and also,
1: he probably had a lot on his mind as well because of the chance he made earlier as well, right?
3: Yeah, quite possibly so. I mean, you know, if there was one which was going to be squared, it should have been yes. the one where Salah was running in on goal. He should have given that to Mane and we would have then wrapped the game up a lot earlier and with a lot less hassle. That's the one which should have been um, you know, the selfless moment. Um, Mane, you know, he's been fantastic. He's got eight goals in his last nine games. Um, the only matches he hasn't scored in have been the 3 0 nils, where most of the time our play as a whole has been really lacking in invention and uh, forward-thinking movement. So that's not really down to Mane. He probably also had the best chances against Bayern Munich. So if we were going to score, it was more than likely going to come through him. Um, And as you say, that one where he managed to put it over the bar from, I I don't know, if I played down the park for 200 years, I probably wouldn't manage that if I was trying to do it on purpose. So I'm not sure what Andy Robbo steaming in behind him thinks either, because that's probably his uh, best chance of a goal for this season.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Ron, I'll come back to you for the final say, and then we'll carry on. Um, What did you make of what the panel had to say there? Do you agree?
4: Yeah, I totally agree. I I think I I was actually laughing at the um, Mane second go because Throughout the game, there were chances where Mo could have passed to Mane and he just wasn't doing it for obvious reasons once that 50. I think once he gets that 50, we'll see that unselfish free, free-flowing football come back. But at no way should he have passed that to Mo. Absolutely no chance. And then I suppose my final sort of point that I'm going to leave you guys with is um, as much as I love the Champions League and I want us to do well in that, the only thing I'm thinking about now is smashing Fulham and going top of the table and putting the pressure back on City.
1: No, we hear you. Um, I'm a multitasker, though. I want both. So, yeah, Rowan, thank you so much.
4: Awesome. Have a good show, guys.
1: You too. Take care. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so um, it's just myself and Tadiva and Carl now for now. I don't think we have any more callers lined up. Right, guys, let's go right to the beginning of the game. You kind of said that early kickoffs absolutely... um, In the past have absolutely stunk for us, but we've had some good run of form recently. And I felt like the crowd may have been a little, I mean, Klopp urged them in the press conference as well, saying like, get an early night, don't drink, be up for it, be alert, you know, indirectly telling the fans to be, you know, be ready for this game. And you know something happens, and it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean they they score a goal um, from a corner. Carl I' come to you it was almost like Dejan Stankovic-esque for his was it his interdays where he scored it from a corner, but the goalkeeper was absolutely fouled and nothing was given. I mean give me your thoughts on that because I felt like that just made us angry, you know and it, in, in, and on the flip side, kind of worked in our favor.
3: Yeah, I mean, you can say that in the end because it's turned out that way. Um, I think the big thing is that with it coming so soon after, you know, with the whole context Mm. of the title and it's us against Man City and all the rest of it, and yesterday City had a big, big decision which went their way. And then today we have a big, big decision which went against us. It's sort of, it probably felt like it was really building up. And, you know, a couple of weeks back, everyone was saying, oh, referees are trying to, you know, hand it to Liverpool or whatever, whatever nonsense it was. It's mere incompetence on their part. It really is. Um, every single time it happens, every single week, we seem to be talking about the same sorts of things. How it wasn't spotted, I'm not even saying by the referee, I would say the assistant, because he's the one who's in line and looking all the way across, and he should have a completely unobstructed view there. It was an obvious foul. Um, I wasn't particularly worried after we conceded. And it got booked
1: for protesting as well, which makes it even worse.
3: Yeah. And not only that, but it's the end of um, a very, very impressive run of clean sheets. I think it was, was it five in a row that we'd kept Mm. before today? So, you know, to lose it in that way was, it was pretty upsetting to be honest. Um, But the most important thing is of course the reaction. And we were very controlled and we were disciplined and we didn't really lose any kind of um, self-belief or anything. We carried on playing our way and, I think we can say that it was it worked out okay for us in the end, but thankfully, because on another day it could not have done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess I kind of look at all stats as well. In Liverpool, um, uh, I was like, well, we went behind to these lot in the season, and we did okay. They're not very good. They've been playing pretty bad, and I felt like you know, the longer it would have stayed nil nil, maybe the nerves would have would have crept in more for me. Uh, Tadeva, your thoughts on that? Because. An absolutely horrendous decision. But should we really be surprised at how piss poor the officiating is in the Premier League? I mean, we see it week in, week out. It's like you don't even get shots anymore.
2: Yeah, it it has really been something that hasn't been great. And and not just this season. It's been for a while now. Mm. And I'm surprised it's not something that's been looked at a lot more seriously. Or if it is being looked at a lot more seriously, we, we aren't hearing about it. So we'll see next season how how it goes with VAR coming in. But in terms of, you know, the bad decision, you look at the City game yesterday and then you look at the decision today. For me, I I thought Pep Guardiola summed it up perfectly. Um, Man City were one of the only, I think there were only two or three clubs that wanted VAR to be in for this season when when they voted on it, I think, last season. Um, And I think it was Man City, Crystal Palace, and I can't remember the third one. But it definitely wasn't Liverpool, and they were saying, "Let's get VAR in early." So, for you know, if we let's say had lost this game, and and the argument was VAR should have been in, well, as a club, we didn't vote for VAR to be in this season, so we really shouldn't have much to complain about. I I, I usually see things that cynically, and, and I know not everyone agrees. But with Pep, he answered it perfectly by saying, "You know, he doesn't know whether the decision was the right call or not, but." his club asked for VAR. It wasn't involved. If luck was on their side, then there's nothing he can do about it. And at some point in time this season, we're going to have to take it out of the ref's hands. Uh, as Liverpool, you know, um, it's unfortunate when those decisions become a factor in games. But I think when when it happened, um, I was just glad it... I, I remember turning to my girlfriend saying, like, I'm just glad it happened so early in the game. Because there's, there was still like 85 minutes to which to change mm. that decision. So if that had happened in the 88th minute, maybe the tone would have been a bit uh, different. For sure. But because we had so much time to affect the game, despite a bad referee's decision, I was very calm. And goes back to what Klopp and especially Van Dijk have been saying for most of the season of we're going to have to be patient. Sometimes we're going to have to deal with some frustration, but we just have to keep going. And that goes for the players, the staff, the f- the fans, the club as a whole. It's learning this new culture of being title. And I, I'd say new in terms of this modern era of football, a new culture of being title challenges year in, year out. You're going to deal with a lot of bad, frustrating decisions that become very, very costly because it. you can see in this title race, it could be one bad draw that, that could turn it for either Man City or us. So... I'm just hoping we we can rise above the refereeing situation because there's nothing we can do about it. It doesn't seem like it's being addressed and I don't see it being addressed in the near future. So we just have to be better. And and, and I'm glad it didn't affect the game.
1: No, I I completely agree with you. Um, I'm glad it didn't affect the game. and I think on um, the fact that it did happen so early on. And... um, I think as well, um, it, it just no longer disappoints. Um, it no longer surprises me. And it's kind of scary that we are in this title battle and we're in this title race with Manchester City and we're trying to keep up with them. And, you know, it's potentially quite scary that your next game could be decided by a really, really bad officiating decision, you know? And, you know, that's, that's the real concerning thing. I think we're going to be joined by another caller. Um, Rakesh, are you there?
5: Hey guys, how's it going?
1: Really good, thank you. Um, how about yourself? Um, you're joined by Tadeva and Karl. Mann, so feel free to share your points with them.
5: Hey guys, uh, yeah, just uh, obviously very happy about the result. Um, I thought in general we played well. A couple of little shaky moments towards the end, um, but we obviously did enough to to win the game. Um, the only thing I, I, we did look there's a couple of occasions where I thought we looked. A little shaky on the defense side and and obviously um, uh Trent going off in the second half is a bit concerning with the uh, with the with the champions League. What are your thoughts on that and uh and the champions League moving forward because to be honest, it sounds a bit harsh, but i wouldn 't be disappointed or too disappointed if we uh, if we didn 't go through
1: me we 're not going to get on um Carl, Carl, I'm going to come to you first on this one. I mean, I thought in the second half, I thought Burnley certainly did apply more pressure and, uh, you know, people at Van Dyke had to really be alert and on the ball. But, um, uh, Rakesh there specifically sort of, um, sourced out, um, Trent Alexander Arnold. I, I didn't think he had the best game and he was subbed off, but Rowan just informs us that he was resting as opposed to maybe being injured. I want to get your thoughts on that. Have you heard anything? Have you read any post-match comments?
3: No, I think it was exactly that. I think with the the fact we have got Bayern coming up and obviously it's not that long ago, I think only what, three games back or something, that Trent was left out because we're gonna need him so much in the running. You know, the importance of Trent and Andy Robertson at both ends of the pitch for us cannot be understated. I mean we you know, we talk about Mane's form and um, Fabinho, how good he is, and all the rest of it. But from a tactical perspective, we need those two fullbacks available in every single match. So you can understand that he's just taken off for the last few minutes. You know, it's not that long that he's been back from injury. Um, and I think that's all it was. There's, there's no suggestion that there was anything else, um, to be worried about, at least. I agree that it wasn't his best game. I think his delivery was, um, well, let's say, hopefully it was put down to the fact that there was an awful lot of wind and weird weather. sound like there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today, today, he could actually have legitimately mm. used the weather. Um, <laughs> I don't think he probably would have done. Um, yeah, but, never, uh, never it, fans will make up a song about that, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, well, um, then we all know what Everton's f- songs are like usually, so at least this will probably be a bit more creative. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not worried about the defence as such. I mean, I think Virgil van Dijk was uh, immense again. I don't think yeah. he, he put a single foot wrong. There was one skewed hoof that sort of went out of play for a throw-in and that's about as bad a thing as he's done over the last month, to be honest. Um, Matip may be a little bit shaky earlier on, you could say. Um, but overall, I think we defended largely well up until the last sort of 10 minutes or so. We were a little bit lax then. Um, gave a, f- a few sloppy passes away and obviously for their second goal, I think that was very, very easily preventable. Um, but I'm not going to be too concerned because you know we, we did have to come from behind today. It makes a bit of a difference in terms of the mentality and the, uh, the approach of the game. And then once you have got that third goal and it's a bit natural that maybe the substitutions happen, you take your foot off a little bit. Um, so it didn't cost us. I wouldn't be too worried about it. And I think the defence is going to be more important than the attack come Wednesday.
1: And just sticking with you, Carla, Rakesh mentioned, of course, the Champions League and, you know, he, he sees it as like um his second priority. The league is his first priority. And I think most people would agree with that or share those sentiments. I want to get your thoughts. I mean, how disappointed would you be if Liverpool did actually go out of the Champions League or would you be OK with it?
3: For me, it depends completely on the manner of the exit. I mean, if we play the mm-hmm. same as we did against Everton, let's say, or against Manchester United and we go out 1-0, I will be fuming, make no mistake about it. I will be absolutely raging. There's so much more that you can put into a game than we did in those two matches. Um, and if we go out because of that, then it would be extremely disappointing for me. If, on the other hand, you play as well as you possibly can and it finishes 1-0 to Bayern Munich, and they are a very good side, and they're really, really back in form right now. Yeah, they're Scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely so. So if you go out for that reason, fine, so be it. You know, You can't beat every single team every single season. We got to the final last year. We did fantastically well. I think we're capable of going to the final again this year. To be honest, even if we're, if, even if we are in the title race as well, um, there's not a huge amount of games to play between now and the end of the season. I don't think it's going to make so much of a difference um, with games, you know, every three, four days that we couldn't possibly do it. Um, so for me, it depends completely. I don't, I don't want to go out. Absolutely not. But if we do, then it's got to be a good in a respectful defeat, manner. if you say. Yeah, exactly. So I don't want to be, you know, like Rogers at uh, Santiago Bernabeu or, you know, any any Europa League game under Roy Hodgson, or anything like that. Yeah. No, None of those kinds of performances, you know. If we go out, then we go out having given absolutely everything similar to, let's say, Roma last season against us. You know, they could say that they put everything into it and mm. in the end it was reasonably narrow margin. If we go out like that, so be it. But if we go out and we play like we did at Old Trafford, I will be absolutely fuming.
1: I think that's fair. Um, what about yourself, Tadiva? your response to the question and Carl's comments?
2: Um, What was the first question again? Look, Sorry.
1: Um, oh. it was literally about, oh gosh, let me think for a second. Oh, um, uh, Trent Alexandrano, the defence, and him coming off.
2: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it, I think it showed in the United game with Trent to play how important it was to have both him and Robbo um, playing as our wing-backs Uh, I I think they they add so much to our team defensively because they're willing to do the work, but then also the energy that they bring to us going forward. Um, I think, yeah, he's come back from injury. I think Klopp maybe was just being cautious with him and and rightfully so. I hope it's not anything serious. And I'm I'm sure we'll see then on Wednesday what the call is. But in terms of the Champions League debate, um, at the beginning of the season... I I I was for just putting everything, all our eggs into the Premier League basket because I thought this was our chance to go for it. Um, as things stand now, I'm not, you know, like hoping that we go out so that we can put every focus on the Premier League. I, I'm I'm just I think maybe it's like a one A and one B type mentality, but. Premier League as 1A, that that's the one that we all want, I, I would imagine. And then Champions League, it, it would be great to go and win it again. I, you can never, you know, lightly take that. I do think the important thing would be, for example, with this fixture list um, that we're seeing now over the next two days or over the next week, it's been a Burnley at home and then a Champions League game and then Fulham away. Now you'd imagine that a club like Liverpool should, and I I won't say, you know, must have, but should have enough because there are no guarantees in football. We should have enough to beat Burnley at home, go to, you know, away to the Allianz, have a competitive game, whether we win it or lose it, but have a strong and competitive team and have, be able to turn it around and still beat a Fulham away from home, especially considering how Fulham have been playing this season. The trick comes for me when, let's say, if we were playing United this weekend, Bayern away, and then Chelsea the next weekend, Mm. then I feel like our squad gets stretched a bit too much. Then I'm not sure we have the strength for that. But with the way we're allowed
1: to go down a few gears with the likes of Burnley and Fulham, right?
2: Exactly, exactly. Mm. And and like like I mentioned before, then players like Adam Lalana. I have no worries with them coming into those type mm. of games. It's when we now have to use our squad, but it's three three in big, hard, important games. That's when it becomes the issue. Um, but I think with the way the Champions League is going at the moment, it, it seems to be opening up for anyone at the moment. So I do think, you know, we could afford at least another round purely because you just mm. don't know who you're going to get in the next round. You know, we could sneak past Bayern Munich 1-0 on Wednesday turn it around against Fulham where all eyes are on us and City don't play, they can't impact the, the 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 league standings that weekend. We win that again, pressure's back on City, and then you end up getting a, a more favourable draw in the Champions League and all of a sudden you're happy to still be, be in the Champions League. So I think for now, I'll, I think we can, we can still make it in terms of squad depth for the quarterfinals and then you just see who you get in the quarterfinals and then you take it from there. I don't think we should be looking, you know, too big picture. I think we really need to start looking, as the cliche goes, one game at a time because so much can change in the season. If, for example, all the big teams go out of the Champions League and City just are not able to be taken out of Premier League and they just win every single game for the rest of the season, there's nothing we could do, whereas we would still have a chance in the Champions League. So... There, there's still a chance to win a trophy. There, I wouldn't write it off. I think we'd have a far better picture after the draw um, of of who's playing in the quarterfinals if we get passed by in Munich.
1: Fair point. Uh, Steve Pe- uh, Steve Pizza's just um, put a comment in here, and he goes, "As for the Champions League." And with Jan Molby on the pod, he said the other day, best to keep games and rhythm. Um, breaks have hardly done as much good. And I think that is a fair and sound comment. You know, these warm weather training camps, we actually come back looking worse, playing worse. I feel like it just keeps us match fit just to have that sort of a, be, being in another competition. So I'm, um, I'm completely with Steve there. Um, Rakesh, I'll let you have the final say and then we will move on.
5: Yeah um no thanks thanks for that guys um yeah I'm pretty much with with you guys the, the 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 fact that the Champions League has opened up a little with Madrid going out um that's made it more interesting but for me I just think City are, are so good every you know half a percent um may make the difference um and it is kind of putting your eggs in one basket mm. a little too... uh to suggest that we should I don't want to say drop out or I wouldn't be too disappointed. But mm-hmm. um let's let's see. I mean obviously I don't want Liverpool to win and lose any games. so uh hopefully hopefully we, we, we do okay. Um and and just one more thing with with the uh with Gomez on the horizon looking to potentially be back almost uh, almost coming to to full fitness, um would you guys um countenance changing the uh, removing Matip perhaps not for, well, probably not for the Fulham game probably not even for the Spurs game but beyond that and replacing Matip for Gomez
1: I think it's something that's been talked about a lot I mean Carl I'm going to come to you I mean I don't really have a fitness report on Gomez because I feel like the club aren't being 100% genuine and honest I feel like he was meant to be out for a month and then it was another month it was an- so I pretty much don't believe anything that they put out in terms of feelers and um, If a player, I know Matip, you kind of said there that he didn't have maybe his best game today or, you know, there was some, a few shaky moments, but as a whole, I think he's been quite consistent and solid and probably the next best option after Gomez for Virgil van Dijk. Um, how do you deal with uh, such a thing? You know, your, your player comes back, but somebody has been filling the role pretty well. Does he walk straight in or is it a case of earn your place back? How do you deal with that
3: conundrum? Well, for me, it would 100% be you earn your place and you keep your place if you're playing well. I mean, otherwise, where is the incentive and the motivation for players to take their chance as such? You know, that's how Gomez got Mm. in the team in the first place. It's how Mm. Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold won their places last season because they didn't start in the team. They had to come in and show that they could perform better than somebody else. And Matip, over the last, let's say, two months, I think has played his best football since he's been at the club. I think there are some games he's been absolutely phenomenal in. Um, he's been an important part of us in possession as well with his amazing Eden Hazard-like dribbling skills <laughs> on the ball. And it, you know, at the start of the season, it was a bit of a joke of, you know, you get to 87, 88 minutes and Matip would come on then, um, you know, when we were just a goal up or something. And now it's he has played a massive role. You can't understate that. You know, we've just talked about five clean sheets in a row and he's been a big part of that as well. Um, so, no, I definitely wouldn't. I, the only thing I would say is with Lovren being back on the bench, Today against Burnley I was surprised that for that final sub he didn't come on for a few minutes um, considering you know Sturridge and the likes have been ignored lately uh, I thought for the last few minutes get a defender on the pitch a bit of a uh, bit of game time under his belt and because it's not the case of I think Lovren should come back in or anything of the sort I think unless Matip gets injured now he probably retains his place as Van Dyke's partner for the rest of this season but the problem is that our centre-backs or three of the four of them have been on a rotating cast on the physio table all season and for yes. previous seasons as well. That's the concern. So Gomez, I'd, I wouldn't expect to see him back this side of the international break. Um, when he does come back after that, you've got Tottenham at home. I can't see that he'll come back in for that. Southampton away, that is going to be a really, really difficult game. They are playing so much better right now. And mm. it's Chelsea. Um, again, You know, at best, I would imagine if he plays before mid-April, it will be as a late sub. So that that's all I can really see. You know, when he comes back, such as the substitution today when we took off Trent Alexander-Arnold, uh, instead of having to have Henderson right back, maybe then Gomez gets his way back to fitness by playing a game there. Um, mm. Perhaps he plays uh, for the 23s as well at some point, make sure that he is fully fit and there's no reaction because obviously he's had to have the, the surgery. Um but really, it's just about having the numbers. In the same way as we've got Lalana playing today, and he's got some minutes under his belt, and that's another option for us if we need it, then probably Lovren and Gomez coming back, mm. I think, for the most of the rest of the season. If Matip is fit, he will carry on playing because he deserves to.
1: I'm with you. And yeah, on a side note, it was quite encouraging to see um, a centre-back on... On the subs bench in Dejan Lovren, and regardless of what you think of him, you know, the fact that he is on the bench, it's important because the last thing you want is to maybe, you know, have one of your better midfielders having to play, um, centre back in, in a Fabinho. Uh, Tadeev, I want to get your thoughts on, uh, on this as well. And uh, you speak a lot about, you know, the psychology and, and things. And I want to get your thoughts on, you know, what would that do to maybe like a player like Matip if he just instantly gets dropped out? I mean, I think Carl's spot on to say you've got to earn your place.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with Colin in, in, in that you have to earn your place. And with regards to psychology, I think it's many of those um, underlining things that people don't necessarily think too hard about when it comes to mad squad management and how it's so important to be able to keep everyone happy. These these are professional athletes. You don't get to this level of, of football without getting angry when you're not playing. Like they, they want to play. They, they want to be starting. They want to be the best player. In their position, you know, in most cases. So you can imagine a Joel Matip who's come in. Um, obviously, it was a bit shaky at the start getting used to, you know, Van Dyke getting used to yet another center back partner this season. Um, and then the injuries to Trent. Matip was playing now with, I think he's played probably with about 500 different right backs in this little run that he's been on in the team. So that's been difficult for him as well. But it seems like they've settled into sort of a rhythm together. Um, especially the Allison Van Dyke and Matup triangle, and that's always a very key um, triangle in terms of setting a base for your for your defense. Now, I think with Gomez coming back, I wonder, and maybe I could um, add your thoughts into this um, after I finish my points. But maybe Gomez's best route back into the team might be as the the right back deputy. I know I didn't want him anywhere near the right back position at the start of the season because I thought it it was more likely that he would get injured that way but if you look at Van Dyke, he doesn't seem like like a player that's going to be rested too much this season so it's now going to be Lovren, Matip and Gomez all vying for one position whereas Trent doesn't really have a natural cover for right back so if you shift Gomez to for just for the rest of this season to say okay Gomez and Trent are now the right backs and you've sort out their minutes accordingly and then you keep um, Lovren, Matip, Van Dijk as the, you know, three centre-backs. I I don't know how Klopp is going to play it. I think with regards to Gomez, the worry for me is, both with Gomez and Lovren, is I don't want them coming into the team and then getting injured again because then we're going to have to rebuild that connection again in in centre-back. At the moment, when you've got three really injury-prone centre-backs mm. in Lovren, Matip and Gomez.
1: Managing minutes is key, right?
2: N- yeah, managing minutes is key, but not just that. Also, managing the fact that Matip is the one that hasn't been injured. He's formed a partnership, so let's keep him in. Let him ride it out. If he then gets injured, maybe you can look at it. But the worry for me is, let's say, if Lovren wins his place back and then within two weeks he's injured again, and then now we have to try and rotate that that connection again. Matip is playing okay, he's playing well, I, in my opinion. I, I don't think he's done much wrong. Mm. You could argue about what happened with the goal at the beginning of the game, but obviously, you know, it was a foul. But anyway, you could say he should have dealt with that better. But in terms of consistency, just keep that centre-back pairing consistent. He's earned the right to be there. So why, why change it? And then, as you mentioned, psycholo- psychologically, if he then gets taken out of the team now, what does that do for him motivation-wise? Is he now as motivated to try and get his way back into the team? Um, that could become a problem as well, especially if he's one of the centre-backs most people are looking at as saying he's likely to leave. Um, what does that do for him now towards the end of the season if he loses his place for not really doing anything wrong?
1: No, I I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, Okay, so we've kind of had a discussion there. I I think you're both spot on. I think think Rowan's point there as well, no point wishing Joe Gomez back. I agree, Matip is doing the job and I think Tadeva just hit the nail on the head that he's probably the fittest in terms of doesn't get injured. So maybe stick with him. Um, It'll be interesting to see what actually happens with the right back. I don't really have a solution or, or a thought on that. I mean, Carl, do you?
3: No, only as I said, when when Gomez is coming back, then you might need to manage
0: mm. uh,
3: Trent taking him off in the last you know five ten minutes of games as he did today, and in that case, then yes, you have got someone who, if not a natural right back, has at least got plenty more experience in the position. You, means, yeah. Had yeah, we've had Camacho on the bench; he's not really been turned to. Um, you know, we've had Milner there and Henderson there, and neither have been anywhere near effective enough uh, defensively or offensively. So, yes, at least Gomez can come in and he's played there before. He knows what he's doing. He's going to be a bit rusty when he comes back. Um, but he's going to need minutes at some point uh, because we will need him at some point before the end of the season, whether that's to go, I don't know, two or back three for the final few minutes of a game or because Trent gets injured or needs a rest or whatever it is. We will need all of our squad at some mm. point. Um, for me, as I said, unless Matić gets injured, Lovren for the rest of this season is nothing more than cover. You know, mm-hmm. he he didn't play well earlier in the season when he was in the team, and he's been mm-hmm. injured on like three successive um, occasions, which has seen him miss quite significant chunks of the campaign. Yeah, he um, lasts so,
1: about six games according to Rowan.
3: Yeah, so I mean, like, you know, there's no there's no reason to put him back in the team. We've we've been fine. We've been actively good in defence without him, um, and he's not been reliable in terms of form or fitness. So there is no route back into the side right now. And as long as Matip stays performing well and fit then as I said I expect those two to be the centre-back partnership for the rest of the season Gomez is our future I have no doubts about that whatsoever it was an unfortunately timed injury but that's that's what it is you know and we're in mm. the middle of very very important runs of the season right now so you can't just bring people in just for the sake of it
1: agreed right okay we're going to move on now um diva I'm going to come to you let's speak about the other striker that you know got in on the scoring action Roberto Firmino um an interesting play, an interesting season for him. You know, been quite inconsistent, has some good games, has some bad games, of course, scored two goals today. What did you make of his performance? Because I felt like he was pretty much leading the, leading the press again from, from the forward lineup. Um, I want to get your thoughts. What did you make of him? Um, We need him in that kind of form, certainly against Bayern Munich, right?
2: Yeah, we, we definitely need him to be um, adding goals to his game. I think that's probably the one criticism game that many people have is mm. he's obviously not a traditional number nine so goals don't necessarily come as easily can I say to him mm. or as, as naturally to him so yes. um, it it would be important if he can start chipping in with a lot more goals um, in terms of his appetite for the game today I I thought he played really well I thought he he was keen to be involved I'm still worried about his some of his passing in, in the final third I, I do see some sloppy passes him, But like I've said before, I think that's just the front three getting used to the different roles they've been asked to do this season. So as long as we're not losing, I don't think that's too a concern at the moment. Um, I, th- I think also in terms of goal scoring, it's good to see that all of our front three now have double digits. So it's good to yeah. see them sharing the, the load between the three of them. And then if our midfield can start adding, you know, five goals each a season I think then we're we're going to be kicking on quite well um I know we're talking about Firmino but before I forget this um can I just mention that Mane is now Mm. um I think three goals off the top goal scorers chart and of the top six people in the on the top goal scorers chart him and Sterling are the only two that don't take penalties so he's having a really good season again
1: he is absolutely and um Carl, I want to get your thoughts on Roberto Firmino. Um we want him to find some form. Um his bad games aren't necessarily bad games. It normally happens because maybe the midfield combination isn't quite right which means he kind of gets lost in the middle of the park. I want to get your thoughts on him today because I thought he was great and um you know um uh, I think the commentators made the point that he's not scored in six games or something and you know today he gets to
3: yeah, I think it was important for him to get back on the score sheet in terms of um, mm. you know, personal confidence and obviously that all the forward line being someone that the defence has to take care of. Um, you know, you brought up that point before about if one of them's on form then maybe the other one gets a little bit more space because the defences pay more attention to him. So it is good and important for that. The other thing I would say is for me there's two goals today. We often talk about him, you know, not being a natural number nine or whatever, but he is much more than that. That's the point. He is Two forwards rolled into one, if you like. And his two goals today were exactly that. He scored one from inside the six-yard box, like a true number nine, a predator, a clinical finisher, a fox in the box, whatever you want to call them. That's where he was. He was in that position if the ball fell to him, and that's why he scored. And the second one was as an attacker midfielder or a number 10 or a second striker or whatever you want. He was following up an attack from the second line. He was running deep and late into the box, and that's where he got his goal from again. So two very, very different types of goals from the two very different types of forward that he can be for us. And
1: I I no that... chances taken as well because Mo went down and it could have been a penalty, but <laughs> yeah. we just cannot trust the officials these days.
3: <laughs> yeah, not only that, but it actually was a very good tackle in the end, so that's yeah. fair as well. Um, but yeah, I thought he was fine today, as, as, um, as you say, a few sloppy passes or whatever. But in general, I think he's really, really important to us, um, to our build-up play. When he's it's going to have
1: to be crucial against Bayern Munich as well, right? Because obviously yeah. that defense is a little bit aging and stuff. And you know, if he's pressing and harrowing them, it, you know, it's going to be a joy for Liverpool and the attackers.
3: Yeah, they can't defend inside their six-yard box mm. like they did against uh, Anfield. You know, they they were so so deep. Fair enough, mm. we pressed them high and they did very well to avoid that press. But they can't defend there at home again. Um, it would be unforgivable by their supporters for starters, and I don't see how they would break forward to create chances themselves either so I would expect a quite a different and a more open game to an extent um in the second leg and yes as long as he's back on the score sheet that's a big thing for Liverpool I think um yeah they are I think within about well we've got Firmino now he's on a goal every 207 minutes now this season um Mane every 180 and Salah on 160 so you know there's not a huge huge variance there but you'd ideally like all of them sort of within that 200 minutes um, but as long as one of them is scoring that's the only important thing you know it's one in eight in all competitions for Salah and yet we have scored five against um, Watford and we scored three against Bournemouth and we scored four here today so the goals are still coming at home and when we're playing well it's just those away games where we've really not shown the same sort of inclination to attack I would say rather than the actual quality to do so.
1: Okay. Cool. Okay. And Tadeeva, I'm going to come to you. And I think we need to speak about the other midfielder in Ginny Wijnaldum. He's, you know, people have like talked him up to be one of the most consistent midfielders completely. He's had a, you know, he's been playing a very different kind of way. But I felt like today, I think, I think I mentioned it earlier on with regards to his quotes on Lalana that, um, uh, Ginny Rinaldum didn't look good. Um, I don't know what he meant by that. It must have been an injury, hence why he came off. Um, do you think he'll be ready, um, for, by
2: Munich I don't mean this in a bad way, but I don't think he has a choice. He's going to have to be ready. Um, yeah he's been such an important player for us this season. I am I'm, I'm glad that he got subbed off um, in this game because he seems to be one of the players that misses out on the substitution, the, you know that wrap your, cotton, wrap your players in uh, cotton yes, wool, like let them rest. whereas if you look at the amount of energy. Genie you know uses throughout games I'm always wondering like oh just just it's not seen by people so please can you take him off just give him a rest because he's going to be involved in 90% of our games so if you're up in a game and you got an opportunity to to rest him I'm I'm always an advocate for him being rested um so I I think he didn't necessarily have the best game but with Genie when he's not on the pitch, you can notice it. So I'm, I'm happy he was on the pitch. He got some minutes in um, and we were able to take him off without it being, you know, hampering our team. I think that was the, the most important thing for me.
1: No, fair comment. Carl, I'm going to come to you. Uh, Tadeev has just made some points there that, you know, he's one of the players that doesn't actually get subbed off, you know, He his um, chronic load and the minutes that he's played are absolutely ridiculous. Um, Of course, he didn't have the best game today. I don't think he had the best game against Everton as well. Could that just be a player just um sort of um slowly coming to a bit of a burnout? Your thoughts?
3: Well, potentially, but I hope not, because this is a bit of a key run of the season, mm. isn't it? <laughs> um, no, I think earlier in the season, he was comfortably our best midfielder uh, mm. until Fabinho found his feet. I think Wijnaldum was one of those players who was really keeping our title run on track. Um, without him, I think we would have dropped a lot more points, let's say, because he ran the show in midfield quite a lot of the time. Yes. Um, yeah, the minutes load, you know, obviously it's a, it's a difficult balancing act. And at this point of the season, it's kind of a case of, yeah, we'll, we'll give you 10 minutes rest here and there if possible. But basically, give us everything you've got for the next eight, nine games, and then you can have a nice rest this summer. And he
1: was so good against Bayern Munich as well, if I remember correctly. You know, um, at Anfield, he actually had a pretty decent game.
3: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, there's been quite a few matches recently where I think Wijnaldum has started absolutely fantastically and then has maybe faded a little bit as the game has gone on, mm. possibly because other players have, have obviously got a bit more space or they've grown into the game themselves. It's not necessarily that Wijnaldum has you know, just fallen off a cliff after the 50th minute or something like that. But he has been the one which has got Liverpool started and playing at a bit better tempo. Against mm. Bournemouth in particular, forget the fact that he scored the goal. It was his movement, it was his runs forward from that midfield zone mm-hmm. to join up as a fourth forward, which was today the job of Lalana, um, which made Wynaldum such a standout. And you're right, against Bayern, he started the best player on the pitch. I think probably for the first twenty twenty five minutes or so, mm-hmm. nobody could touch him. He was fantastic. So we need that again. Um, we need Fabinho to play. You know, f- you know, forget Milner and Henderson both being rested today. Fabinho must be the first name on the team sheet as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Um, a way to Bayern Munich. You, know, you look at the goals, if, if anybody does watch the Bundesliga that they've scored over the last two, three weeks, they have been tearing teams apart down the channels. And Fabinho is, along with Wijnaldum, I would say, is our finest midfielder at covering those zones. So we definitely need him. The only thing I would say in terms of Milner and Henderson is if you want to go to a flatter four across the midfield, there's a case to say that they could occupy one of those spots, maybe of the other one. Um, and then you have to a decision to make over which one of the forwards you leave out.
1: Oh, I mean, I, I don't really like an overly defensive kind of um, Milner or Henderson kind of midfield. Um, certainly in like the Champions League, I don't think it does well for us. It kind of cost us a fair bit against Paris Saint-Germain. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what Klopp feels, but I think Lobby, uh, I think Klopp will probably play them and I think Gags is right to have those anxieties about it. Um, guys, I think there was a comment made by Steve P, um, earlier on in the chat and it was something along the lines of, um, you know, last week we were very critical of Jürgen Klopp and his subs and, you know, his uh, tactical setup. And, you know, we should give him praise this week for obviously the, the team that he's fielded out against, them." Um, Burnley today and, of course, his subs. So, um, uh, Tadeva, I'll come to you first. What did you make of Klopp's subs?
2: Yeah, I thought they were okay. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of it, I think, was dictated, obviously, with what's going to be happening in the next couple of days at Bayern Munich. But I think in terms of using the squad, I think we've used it fine. The front three didn't look like they were gassed, so I I understand why they stayed on for so long. And, obviously, you, you want them maybe the argument is you want them scoring lots of goals against maybe a Burnley team that does give you a lot of chances just to have them bouncing in, into that buy-in game. Um, if you look at, you know, the, the comments gags made earlier and, and the likelihood of us having a more cautious midfield, then it means our front three is going to have to be really on it. it they're not going to get a lot of chances from our midfield. They're going to have to create a lot of chances themselves and make sure that they're, they are very, very clinical, so if they come off the back of a Burnley game where they're scored for fun, um maybe that gives them the confidence in the next game. Maybe that was the thinking in in keeping them on as long as he possibly could um in terms of taking Trent off uh, as we said we we're hoping it's not an injury it's just a precaution. He's just come back from injury, so that's understandable and then also taking genie off, you need him for that buying game I'd imagine and and he is one of those players that buy and have a very cultured midfield, very intelligent midfield. And Gini is going to be needed to, to give in one of those famous performances he's been giving earlier in, in the season. um, And, and still some the second half of the season, but more so the first half of the season where he just takes grip of that mm-hmm. midfield. And if he's got someone like a Fabinho next to him, um, yeah, that could be a really tasty, tasty midfield battle.
1: No, you're right. I think for Bayern Munich, because I thought Martinez had a very, very good game for uh, Bayern Munich against us. Carl, uh, I want to get your thoughts on the subs. he used, of course, Daniel Sturridge as well today. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the subs. Did you think they were pretty much what was needed for this game?
3: Yeah, I thought they were okay. Nothing more than that, to be perfectly mm. honest. I mean, if you know, if Wayne did have a knock, then obviously that was dictated, and it was always going to be Henderson who came on for him. Um, the other two, it was nice to see that. Uh, Cater and Sturridge are still part of the squad, to be perfectly honest. So, mm. um, you know, there's nothing more to those than fresh legs and give them a bit of a run-out, obviously, before they will more than likely be needed either against Bayern or in the upcoming games. So it's important to keep them involved. Um, as I say, the only thing I was a little bit surprised about was that Lovren didn't get a bit of a run-out to get his touch back in or whatever. But, you know, then again, when they scored the for 3-2, you probably don't want a defender who's been out for most of the season coming back in. So understandable you know Sturridge came on and I think, I think he actually claimed an assist didn't he with that through ball yes, for the last goal so that's a positive Um Cater on the pitch you know good movement looked lively enough Um Shakiri still sat there shivering in his uh, big subs coat so maybe he'll get a game before the end of the season uh, nice. I yeah I don't think there was too much else to say about the subs today no. there was nothing tactical or to to change the flow of the game or anything like that, it was about managing the minutes and the fitness. And uh, as we say, hopefully, there's nothing major with one uh, of
1: Absolutely, yeah. We will absolutely need him against Bayern Munich, right, guys? I think we're pretty much at the end of Nina Carls- Um This is a part where I let the panel have their final say um, on on the game. Anything that we've not covered, Tadeve, is there anything that we've not mentioned that you want to bring up or highlight?
2: Um, I think just that at the at this part of the season, it's a results based game. And we should just really be focusing on grinding out the results. You know, I don't think we can catch City in terms of goal difference. So I think they've got that on us at the moment. Um, so it's just about grinding out the results at the moment. Hopefully we, we win against Bayern and then the rotation is going to be really interesting against Fulham to see which lineup he brings up. And in terms of this game itself, I'm happy for Money getting his fifth. Our fiftieth. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he played well. I thought Lalana did well coming on, and also, you know, for a Lalana, you can imagine. I'm pretty sure the players know about these expectations that they get. You know, the, the that that's given of them and the opinions that are out there about about them. So credit to him for doing well. Um, you know, people always t- try and. T- you know, weigh the arguments one way or the other. But I think if if we just compartmentalize it, we're talking about just this specific game. Lalana was really, really good. It's not me saying whether I think Lalana is the best player in the world or not. I'm just assessing it on the 90 minutes of football. Um, of course. So you know, you just take it as as that. So well done to him.
1: Yeah, I'll have to agree with you. I was um, not exactly filled with confidence. In- he, his name on the team sheet given the fact that how ineffective he was against Everton but you know prove me wrong and I'll happily take that all day every day he had a pretty decent game and lots of involvement what about yourself Carl any um, uh, final thoughts on the game that we haven't covered
3: no I'm um, just looking at a couple of quotes from Klopp from after the game um, he says that he mm-hmm. thought Mo Salah was the best player on the pitch and um, Okay. Um, I would say perhaps that's a little bit to do with uh, man management rather than actual performance. Um, I thought Salah was decent in his uh, movement and his open play and his touch was mostly okay, but we did see quite a lot of um, loose attempts to take people on and that sort of thing today. Um, We mentioned his 50 goals earlier on. What I would say is that this was the last match he had to score a goal, and get the new Premier League record, or equal the Premier League record mm-hmm. as it would have been today. And that would have been equaling with Shearer at Blackburn. Yes. So maybe the fact that that has now gone, you know, there's no real pressure on him to, to beat Torres's record. He's still got quite a few games left to do that. Um, hopefully we'll see him a bit more confident and composed in front of goal and get back to his clinical best.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think um, I think Marcel broke so many records last season, I just kind of want to win a league I'm not about personal records anymore I don't care if we win every game one nil and I don't care if it's a different goal scorer every game you know I just don't care just win every single game from here till the end right guys this is the end of course um Sky um, uh, BT Sports gave Adam Lalana man of the match so I'm gonna ask my panel who was their man of the match I got a funny feeling I know where Tadiva's gonna go Tadiva, I'm gonna come to you first
2: I can't do it. I can't deal It It's money for me. I'm sorry. I knew,
1: I knew it was going to be money. And that's why I said you're going to go somewhere else.
2: I just can't do it. Like he played well, but mm. for me, I, I thought money. He, he, he sneaks in. He does sneaky good performances, sneaky goals, and it's never talked about. And I'm, I, I like it that way. I, I don't want pressure on our in inverted commas third of the, of the front three. In terms of pecking order so I, I thought he did well obviously the miss maybe then takes it away from it, but then he still had the composure to go and score afterwards so I, I for me it was Mane Lalana. I, I have no issues that um BT gave it to him though but lucky for me I, I, I get to to pick on on personal opinion so Mane for me
1: No, I'm with you. And Carl, I remember at the beginning of the pod, you did say you were a little bit surprised and thought it was a bit over the top that he got man of the match. So I'm sure you've got another man of the match. Who's your man of the match?
3: Yeah, I mean, Lalana was okay. I thought first half he was quite good. Second half, Mm. I I didn't think he offered too much, to be honest. I don't think there's much of a case to say that he did more in this game than, let's say, Cater or Henderson have done in any particular game you want to pick out during the course of the season. Um, I would agree that Mane was probably our standout, but just to be a bit different, I will go for Van Dijk. He was just mm. didn't put a foot wrong again. You know, he just I just feel very very Troy Deeney about him. Probably smell him though, no, not for a while, not for a not while, not for a
1: while. Yeah, making us all jealous. No, uh, I have to agree. I think both those are excellent shouts, and I kind of knew that those two would be the sort of a standout performers. But for me, I am going to have to go with them. Um, I'm going to have to go with Sadio Mane uh, purely because I think we give it to Virgil van Dijk every single game. It's like copy and paste job, Carl. It really is. It's like, yeah, we'll just give it to Van Dyke. So I'd like to go to Sadio Mane because, of course, got two goals. I thought he was effective. And I feel like he is the attacker that is performing every single game um, the most consistently. So I will definitely give it to him. But, guys, let us know your thoughts. Who's your man of the match? Um, tweet us. Let us know. Right, that is the end of the Nina Kaza show. A massive thank you to our callers. A huge thank you to my panel. But before I let them go... Let them do some. Uh, let them do some plugs. Carl, where can people find more of your work? Where can they find you on Twitter? Let the people know.
3: Yeah, easiest just to follow me on Twitter for any of the work. It's just at Carl Matchett. It's Carl with a K, and uh, all my work will be on there at some point or other. After this match, we've got a piece on this is Anfield with a, a few of the talking points that we've gone over today in a little bit more depth. And obviously, I'll be on AI Scouted during the week as well before the Bayern Munich match.
1: Awesome. That's when the guys get their Bielsa run and they inform us about everything that we need to know about the opposition. Do check that out on AI Pro. It is a fabulous podcast. Both Carl and Dave are absolutely um, brilliant at scouting. Um, I have to give them a shout out there. So Tadeva, what about yourself? Are you working on anything? Where can people find you on Twitter?
2: Um, On Twitter, it's the Ace of Knave Seven. And then in terms of things I'm working on, um, there's a wrestling tonight. Or, um, early early hours tomorrow morning for UK listeners, and if I'm not going to be on the pod, I'll certainly be in the background throwing facts and background news to to the guys that are going to be on it. So that's going to be uh, well worth a listen, and then also the fantasy podcast this coming week. Uh, it's a big week in terms of fantasy because it's a it, it's a game week where not every single team is going to be playing. So you know Salah not having scored for quite a while, do you still keep him in your team? You know those type of decisions are going to be made, and how much of your chips you still have left to use, and whether you can use them in this game week, how to take advantage of that. So, yeah, that, that, that's all for me.
1: Awesome stuff. Well, thank you so much to the pair of them. Um, keep it on Anfield Index. We've got some awesome pods. Do check out AI Pro. Like I said, fabulous pods. Carl will be on there with Dave Hendrick. Um, they'll be under pressure. They'll be um a Euro incision this week as well. Hopefully I should be doing something uh, post Bayern Munich, so uh, keep your ears open. Jan Molby as well, and of course they are recording the Raw pod right now as well, their post-match reaction, so that'll be a really excellent listen. So do check out AI Pro. It is literally your one stop for all things Liverpool Football Club with regards to content. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, I will be back post Fulham. Till next time, up the Reds. Podcast Network.